Hi everyone, good morning and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh, your host in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I have the exciting new uh, collaboration between my show and Zenberg. Very excited to welcome once again, Roger Ong. Thank you so much for joining. No, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's great to have this collaboration. So we're going to try to do this once a month uh, to feature some of the articles from Zenbird that month and go a little bit more in depth about uh, the topics. Uh, Roger, before we start, you want to just briefly introduce yourself again? All right. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Roger. I'm uh, editor-in-chief at Zenbird Media. So Zamba Media is really a simple, simple concept. Uh, you know, we are an online magazine, and anything that's you know, anything related to sustainability in Japan, are interested. Um, we try to you know write columns, do news, and from time to time do interviews. And of course, uh, we our, our our target, you know, originally is uh, you know people towards people outside of Japan, but realize there's a lot of um, interest in Japan itself too. So, yeah, so we... I, I had the chance to interview your founder of yeah. Harch, yeah. the over overlying uh, media company. And actually, <laughs> Zemberg is one of many of the media that Harch is doing. And everything, even though they're very different topics, everything is focused on sustainability mm -hmm. in terms of how can we improve the lives of people how can we reduce our impact on the environment or maybe even improve the environment right yeah that's right and making profits right so we yeah. really want to have this interplay and balance between all three mm -hmm. um which is the focus of my show and the focus of your media so mm -hmm. perfect collaboration yes indeed indeed wonderful um, yeah. um now Today, we're talking about four different topics. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the first one we should hit is probably the biggest topic about the 10 R's. Oh. Now, yep. Roger, right. recently, I was coming across the five R's. Mm -hmm. And then the five R's is often like different focuses, right? Yep, that's right? So we have the five R's, which is refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle, and rot. So mm -hmm. composting is in there. And then you have refuse, reduce, reuse, repurpose, recycle. And then you have reduce, refuse, recycle, reuse, rot. So there's a lot of different versions. Mm -hmm. And then it makes you think, we need more than five. <laughs> we have more than five, right? <laughs> Well, so it, you targeted ten. I mm -hmm. think that's better. Sure. Yeah. Well, it, they, they, now when when I first started looking at the R's, I'm like, how many R's are there in the first place? How many? Right. Yeah. I mean, we started with three, and then we have as we uh, if we look at different aspects, we look from different industry, if you will, you know, looking from surveys, look from uh, ethical uh, production. Um, different companies actually have their own different type of arts. But what in the end we realize is actually, um, although different companies, different brands may define arts differently, the number of arts evenly, they all come from the same foundation. And that is the idea of a circular economy to make sure whatever we do can be returned back into the economy. And 
and hopefully create zero waste through it. Mm. Yeah. So there is and, no you know yeah. conflict between the different R's. Right. But I, I think it's a, it's a big mind shift that needs to happen, right? <laughs> um, because the way we usually consume things or the very typical, the status quo is uh, use the resource, make the product, throw the product away. Mm. That straight line mm -hmm. from the natural resource to the landfill. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Now, we know that is so problematic, mm -hmm. right? Huge yeah. problems with that system. So thinking more circular, mm -hmm. like where does it come from? Can we reuse it? Can we put it back to use, mm -hmm. right? Just over and over. Yep. Thinking circular, I think, is a big mind shift, mindset shift. Yes. But once people do start thinking that way, it becomes a bit easier, right? Yes, that's right. So rather than, you know, um, trying to memorize what the R's are, uh, it's not a test anyway. And just, just I think the easiest message I always tell people is ask yourself two questions. Wherever you use something, uh, ask yourself where it comes from and where does it go. If you if you do not know where it comes from to, uh, fully and you don't know how to uh, treat it as you know how to recycle it, how to return it to the economy, so to speak, then you, um, it is probably not a good thing to consume. And that's how we can play a part in the circular economy as consumers. Mm. Yeah. I'm showing the website right now where you wrote this great article. <laughs> um, and you talk about three sections, mm -hmm. design, consumption, and return. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Right. So when, when although there's 10 hours, what we realize is, you know, um, let's say, well, this article was written to answer two questions, right? How do I tell if a business is sustainable? And how do I tell if a business is more sustainable? <clears throat> now, it's, it sounds like same strange concept, but uh, take, for example, you know, Cafe A uses plastic straw. Cafe B uses paper straw. Uh, Cafe C uses no straw. So you see, hmm, um, which is more sustainable, which is better? And then maybe you can throw in the cafe D, you know, 50% paper, 50% plastic. Is that sustainable? And when and we can identify these sustainable businesses by looking at, uh, at the 10 R's and see what, does the business use any of this? And we've broken it down into three different so-called phases because there is a hierarchy of uh, importance in them. <clears throat> so the higher they are, uh, on the rank, uh, which is here, refuse, rethink, and reduce, uh, they are going to work better than the, the R's at the bottom. Now, not to say that they are not important. Um, the lower R's have roles to play too. But um, for example, in the design phase, we're really talking about redesigning business models to make, um, to go back to zero and see um, how we, how the business can play a better part in circular economy rather than just recycle or yeah, all the three R's that we have uh, been focused on uh, for the past few decades. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's really important to try to uh, make diagrams like this, which show, of course, design at the top. That's what we want to do most, right? <laughs> and then consumption, that's the next most. And then the least is the recycle recovery because that 
has a big carbon impact and more pollution. Um, the others are better, right? Um, let's take the plastic straw example because I was doing a seminar on sustainability the other day with some students. And I always think people know about plastic straws. They're just, everybody knows that's wrong, right?、Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's true in Japan. I think、mm-hmm. a lot of people still don't get why it's important to stop using plastic straws, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, so she said, I noticed recently Starbucks and some other companies are stopping using plastic straws, they're using paper. Or some cafes are using reusable straws. Does it really matter? She says. And I was like, yes, I love that question. Because I would say, and then you have to like personalize it from your, what you know in your experience, right?、Uh, so for me personally, I do river cleanups, river and beach cleanups once a month. I see plastic straws. I know if they're in the water, they're going to last hundreds of years, right?、Mm-hmm. So that's a problem.、Mm-hmm. Um, I know plastic straws also, to make plastic straws, you have to use fossil fuels. That's a problem,、mm-hmm. right?、Yep. I know paper straws can go back to nature. We can compost that, it can biodegrade. So that's better. So for this case, I would say paper straws better than plastic straws, right? But it's like, You have to talk about each example. Like for Starbucks, this is better in this case, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know, making generalizations. In general, you can say plastic straws are, are not as good, but you kind of have to individualize the answer. And I think that makes it more complicated, right?、Mm, indeed.、Um, so, one of the things that when we look at a circular economy is we just we, we cannot say, We take, we copy paste solutions. I, 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 the last time we talked, we, we talked a bit about this as well. So it's like, not every solution is going to be able to be implemented、um, immediately at, at the level that we want because we have to look at、um, local needs, right?、Um, but I do think that, you know,、um, just replacing plastic straws with paper straws is not, it's, it's, it's not. Sus- it's not sustainable, I have to say that. It's, <laughs> Because, it's a better option, but it's, it's not, not the ideal option. It's、mm. not the best option, but it's better、mm. than what they had.、Right? No, I think it's a step. I think,、no? we are, we are, I, <laughs> I think we are finding excuses for ourselves.、Um, because,、uh, again, there are solutions out there. It's not s a y we can copy paste the solutions. But what if we stop prodiving straws? Um, th- I think、um, what Ken asked want to do is、uh, to, especially for the design phase, we want to redesign in a way that m a k e consumers think. So,、um, changing、uh, plastic straws to paper straws, we are still encouraging people to use straws. Do we really need straws?、Um, what happened to steel straws, the reusable, and, and that's the consumption part,、uh, cons- consumption R, reuse. And I think there are better ways than just use and throw. Again, back to the linear economy. And we, I think we, I haven't done any、uh, research on this yet, but I think producing paper straws actually、uh, produces more carbon emissions than plastic straws. I don't, well, I mean, there are so many factors, right?、Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to end up in the environment? 
then paper would be so much better. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you another example. I went to a really cool coffee shop in uh, San Francisco when mm -hmm. I visited a couple of years ago. Yep. And they were using compostable cups, mm -hmm. compostable nice. straws, nice. and reusable cups, mm -hmm. and reusable straws for mm -hmm. people in the cafe. Mm -hmm. And I would say from a business point of view, that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. because they're doing what they can for 100% the ideal reuse in the shop. Mm -hmm. But they know in reality, the consumer wants to take it to their office. Mm -hmm. That's their lifestyle habit that's very hard to change. Mm -hmm. And if they stopped having takeout cups or uh, straws completely, they might lose some customers. And it's a very competitive business, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, so compostable, I think because San Francisco has a good system of composting, mm -hmm. that's yeah. a good option for yeah. them, right? Yeah, they have the infrastructure to deal with, um, to prevent waste, so, if, I, if I may. And, and that's why I think that's where the customization comes in. We have to look at the needs and what the local has. Now, um, I understand, uh, on the other hand, I heard that um, uh, in London, I don't think they have a very strong composting infrastructure. So that is a, a concern for them. Um, so their solution was actually to uh, have takeaway reusables. And you can take them back to the office and return them at a, uh, uh, when, when, it's when it's easy, when it's convenient for them. So, I love that idea. Yeah, different ideas and there. Mm. Roger, you uh, brought that up with Starbucks, I think, that they have <laughs> an idea that you can order uh -huh, uh, yeah. re and go. Yeah, that's right. We're trying this new idea. I mm. love this idea. Do you want to introduce it? Um, okay. So re and go, I, I discovered re and go while I was in o Okinawa. Um, and it, it was very good timing because they were doing their pilots there. So the idea is... Uh, take away uh, bento boxes. That was the first pilot. And they tried it out and they had very high uh, positive, uh, they received high, how say, uh, very well received. Uh, so what it does is if I go to a shop, I want to take away food, I order uh, through their app. As you can see, a similar app uh, on the picture there. And I say, I want to use a reusable bento box. So the, the restaurant or cafe will pack the food in that box, have you take away. And once once you are finished, once you take the metal box and you finish eating, then you have to return, right? And you can return it to any uh, nearby partners that Riango has. And the picture we saw just now is about Starbucks and this is their second pilot. So Okinawa worked and now they want to work, um, you know, scale it in a bigger city. So the next target was uh, was Tokyo, and particularly in the Shibuya area, with Starbucks. Yeah, um, I'm I'm still waiting if they have uh you know Kishaka you know uh, to to share their results. Looking out for that, but I think it can. It, 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 I think it's was successful. That's what I heard from other people. It's just hearsay. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing their result. They finished their pilot. Uh, and um, and much so yeah it's very recent. That's really exciting. 
I remember uh, when I started this talk show two years ago, and mm. I talked to a wooden bento box maker, mm. uh, Caillou Package, right? Mm. And I was saying, wouldn't it be great to have reusable bentos, at least ekiben, mm. in the Japanese stations all mm -hmm. across Japan? And you yep. have the same style box, mm -hmm. so people can eat it on the train. We know that most people eat it on the train, right? Yep. So they buy it at the station, they eat it on the train, and then there's a collection box mm -hmm. on the train. There's a collection box on the station. Mm -hmm. um, so these bento boxes can be reused and severely reduce the amount of waste, right? Indeed. Indeed. Amazing. It would be a game changer. So it's so exciting to see companies starting to do it in connection with delivery systems. Mm -hmm. um, imagine if Uber... Mm offer or some of the food deliveries if they offered you the option to have only reusable containers mm -hmm. like the loop system mm -hmm. for food yep. delivery from supermarkets right mm -hmm. that yep. TetraCycle is trying to do now mm, that's uh, right. so so much great potential there yeah indeed and and and, and, the, and that's the strange thing um there's so much we hey, we have the solutions right and there's so much potential there's so much gaps that you know as consumers ourselves, we can identify such gaps. So why aren't more business, you know, pushing it? So it comes back down to, you know, awareness issue, you know. For example, the plastic straws. No, yeah, why not? There's not a lot of people saying rejecting plastic straws here. So one, one is awareness. Second is we need more leadership from, from the government to say, hey, we are pushing for this. Mm. Yeah. And I, another thing I, I would love to add about plastic straws or mm -hmm. walibashi, um, people are, are concerned about their health, right? Mm -hmm. So if, yes, you, right. if you tell them the information, like if mm -hmm. you buy your own reusable hashi, your own reusable straw, mm -hmm. you can have peace of mind mm -hmm. knowing that it's clean because you cleaned it. Mm -hmm. And you're using it and mm -hmm. you can clean it again. So when you use wadibashi, you don't know where that wood is coming from. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's been touching the wood on the table, mm -hmm. you know, if people <laughs> sneezed on it. Um, you don't know what's inside that plastic straw. Mm -hmm. Is it dust? Is mm -hmm. it gross something that it's picked up along the way mm -hmm. since it was made, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have your own reusable one, you should feel... Mm -hmm more confident this is clean mm -hmm. this is safe mm -hmm. right yep that's right and it extends it extends beyond just you know bringing your our having our own you know straws having our own uh, chopsticks it goes for food too you know uh, i know this food comes from me kind of thing and and i think sometimes we find it uh, we, we, we see it as a distant problem it's, I don't think they don't understand that you know, plastic is not a well plas plastic the material itself is not a bad thing but the the way we use and and I think a lot of people find it as a distant problem much like climate climate change it I know the effects are bad but maybe it's not gonna affect me yet yeah. yeah.
That's mm. that's a really important point. Mm. Um, so that's a great article about the 10 R's. I'm going to put the link right here so people can read the whole thing. Um, there's lots of great information in there. People should go revisit. We have three more articles, so we got to move on, Roger. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about washi paper. I uh, love this article too. Yes. So this, um, well, it's a it's a short story, but it's very essential. Uh, it's about yeah Japanese paper. Well, we call it washi, and the combination between sustainability and uh, Japanese culture. <clears throat> so there are two parts to this article. Uh, the first part is understanding how Japanese paper is a sustainable material. So uh, it's sustainable because it it comes from renewable resources from fast growing trees. So there's no worry about you know overlogging or deforestation. It is also biodegradable. Once used, it can be returned to the soil. <laughs> uh, the second part, which is a more major part, is it introduces two companies that uses uh, new techniques to create uh, Japanese paper. Now, the traditional technique is to create washi from uh, the barks of trees. But um, for these two, two, these two companies that uh, we, have, we are introducing, they are actually... Um, we see an advance in techniques. The first company, for example, uh, Peparu, um, it makes paper from food waste. So in, in their particular case, it's discarded rice. The second company is uh, Soup Inc. It makes uh, paper from seeds. So after use, you can return it to the soil and it actually will grow plants. So this article actually is it's a reminder that you know, there are sustainable options and we should really consider using uh, finding a, a a way to use Japanese paper. Mm. Yeah, I love this. Uh, seeds inside the paper and that you can grow something after you use the paper. Um, and then using shredded paper, adding the seeds so it's so circular. Um, this seems like such a great solution. I've actually seen some, very few, but some business cards which have the seeds paper inside. I've also seen business cards with the banana paper, which mm -hmm. I know um, Lush and Starbucks is now serving some of their paper products um, from the African banana paper. That's a great initiative mm -hmm. in Japan. Um, so anything which comes from waste, comes from food waste, mm -hmm. and can be made into a product we need, and then it can go back to composting, back to the environment. Mm -hmm. How wonderful. I it love is, it. It is. And, and if you think about it, um, crafting Japanese paper is an you know, centuries-old technique. Now, um, some of us might get the idea, oh, old techniques, yeah, it's not going to find its way into modern days. What's the use when it's so ineffective? But right here, what we see is an uh, evolution of the techniques. I mean, creating, um, um, creating paper from food waste. Now, um, I don't, okay, probably if you give Jap ancient Japan another century or two, maybe they will, um, they will find some way, some techniques. But uh, this paper crafting paper, uh, technique has found a modern, uh, modern use. It has found a new value in tackling a modern problem. And I, I think that's one of the uh, wonderful things about uh, Japanese uh, you know, art, art, artistry is able to evolve, to find modern meaning, find in the modern context. Wonderful. 
Yeah. I interviewed a, a really wonderful artist mm -hmm. and she moved to the rural area, I think in Ishikawa, mm -hmm. um, and she is living in this deep rural area because they have a kind of weed or tree nearby called Gampi. Gampi. And she fell in love as an artist. She fell in love with the high quality Gampi washi paper mm -hmm. that she found in Kyoto when she was a student there, art student. Mm -hmm. And so she started researching about Gampi paper and she went to this rural area to get the resource from her backyard, mm -hmm. um, to soak it in the river outside her house, to pound it on the rock outside mm -hmm. her house. And then if she's not happy with it, she just tears it up and puts it back to nature. Mm -hmm. And so as an artist who's interested in the circular economy and the sustainability, it's just such a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. And it makes me, as someone who loves art, want to buy that because mm -hmm. I know at the end of that art's life, it can go back to nature mm -hmm. naturally too. Mm. How wonderful. Indeed, right? indeed. I think I think we often forget that ancient techniques uh, are minimal, have minimal impact on, on the environment. And as you say, we want to buy, I mean, we want ethical products, you know, we want to, we want to use things that we know hasn't been bad for anyone or bad for the environment and using it is actually very good for our well-being. Yeah, I can understand the feeling. Um, yeah, it's just, it's wonderful. And we use so much paper in yeah, Japan, right? <laughs> Correct. So why, why aren't we using more locally sourced paper? Mm -hmm. right? I think, um, even if you material, recycle right? the paper, mm -hmm. you, you create a lot of pollution, you mm -hmm. have to use a lot of energy. Um, but if you make paper from food waste, like mm -hmm. the examples here, or from weeds, <laughs> uh, it's just perfect way yes. to do it right um but japanese paper takes time to make yeah yeah so uh and, and i think that reveals a problem with our society uh that's mass consumption um and that's one of the reasons what back back to what we talked about 10 hours can we re redesign our business so that we don't use paper or use less paper and if we can use less paper why not japanese paper mm. yeah uh, one more thing just to add, I interviewed a woman who is running an animal sanctuary in uh -huh. Chiba. Chiba, and right. she, she said, if anybody has shredded paper from your home or from mm -hmm. your office, if you can send the shredded paper to her, she uses shredded paper in all of the animal cages and animal pens uh -huh. so she can make use of any shredded paper waste as well. Nice. So um, I'll put the link below for animal uh, mm -hmm. animal sanctuary in Chiba. Yeah, yeah, she really needs help, not only mm -hmm. donations, but even waste that mm -hmm. she can reuse is really useful for her. Mm -hmm. So that's another part of it, isn't it, Roger? Like finding someone or some company that wants mm -hmm. your waste, mm -hmm. that's another great solution, right? Yeah, that's right. I think I think at some point that we 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 need we need a directory for this kind of thing. Yeah. Like I say, uh, whenever before we use anything, we want to know where it comes from and where it goes. And where it goes is actually quite an issue. How do I get rid of this? And yeah, if we can have a directory that includes that 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 animal sanctuary uh, that we can send to, yeah, yeah. it helps yeah. consumption consumers. Yeah. 
another example, I visited an uh, organic farmer nearby, Thomas Klepper, mm -hmm. and he is taking down a lot of old buildings and renovating the old buildings. And he has a lot of waste, like old Japanese tiles. And it seems really like a, a quality material that mm -hmm. somebody might want to use. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't found anybody who wants to use it. So he's thinking of lining his pathways, um, making drains. But if anybody thinks mm -hmm. of use for Japanese roof mm -hmm. tiles, uh, please get in touch with Thomas okay. Clever. <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the past, I, I mean, in Kyoto, there has been uh, examples of people using reusing tiles. They build it they in walls. It, like on the outside wall or yeah, something, they right? Do. So, but there's, yeah. don't you often notice when you walk around Japan, you'll see it stacked next to houses. Mm -hmm. So there must be a lot of people who just keep it because it's too good to throw mm -hmm. away. <laughs> and you have to pay to throw it away. Mm -hmm. But how can I reuse it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know? Yeah. I think... I, I don't know if some, there's some technology to break down the material, but yeah, I think there's a lot of chance. There's a lot of opportunities that we can reuse. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like your idea of having some kind of information share mm -hmm. for for waste recycling. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. Like for old clothes or uh, mm -hmm. products, you mm -hmm. people resell it on eBay or Yahoo auctions. Mm -hmm. I wonder if on Yahoo auctions, people also sell things like roof tiles. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll let's we'll be surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know. Um, let's go to the next article. Yeah. A very interesting one, more about gender mm -hmm. and how men are using nail polish and going to beauty salons and mm -hmm. how that might help. Uh, better awareness or understanding or acceptance mm -hmm. of gender kind of diversity, mm. right? Um, um, for for this, for me personally, I I, I see it as uh, gender expression. You know? Yeah. Um. So it's, it's kind of strange to say gender expression. Um. What this article wants to say is, you're free. You should be free to express yourselves. You know. Uh, for society to embrace that kind of diversity. So, so this article, what, what this article uh, is talking about is about Newbook, a new salon uh, reservation app. They did a survey over 100 plus men. And uh, these men have made a reservation on the app. So when they did the survey, why do you go to the salon? So, um, so the surveys actually were allowed more than one reason. And 60% you know, of them said they wanted to groom themselves. 30% wanted to, uh, they enjoy the experience of going to the salon. 25% uh, like nail art and they like uh, color. Now you might think, you know, oh, this, this young men are going uh, to salons. They must be very young. But when the survey reviewed that, you know, uh, more than 70% 70, 70 of them are over 30 years old. Okay, so maybe buying power is one factor. Um, but the reasons, let's see, the, some of the reasons that they give why they go to, why men go to nail salon is, uh, so um, so for grooming, not only have I started paying attention to the care of my faculties, I have also started to pay attention to the art care of other body parts. It's good to see my faculties in good condition. Uh, or for work, women at our client companies often say that my nails are beautiful, which helps me make a good impression. Um, so 
Um, so this article, yeah, like I say, it ends with a reminder that you know we are we should be free free to express ourselves. Not say I think we are approaching an era where makeup, uh, uh nail art, is not only for the females, and I think society needs to realize that you know we shouldn't be attaching again gender identity identities to activities. So that anyone can are, f- are free to express themselves. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. I like that idea, and I've often noticed uh, a bit more acceptance of less strict gender roles in Japan. Of course, you have like both sides, right? Like in school, I just had a conversation the other day with a woman on Twitter, mm-hmm. and her daughter. Mm-hmm. Is in a school, a primary school, where they have a boys' first policy, where they boys sit at the front of the class, and boy, and they they're very public about it. In mm-hmm. 2022, this was happening. <laughs> so she she was very active, and she was like, "This is not okay." It's and not she okay. wrote letters to the local government and got it changed. Good yeah, job. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Um, but this is crazy that mm-hmm. that still happens sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And then sometimes in job hunting or uh, women getting into medical university in mm-hmm. Tokyo, even yeah. um, there's a real gender bias. Yes. But yes. in other uh, senses, like you are more likely to see men holding hands or men hugging each other um, than in America, maybe. Mm-hmm. So. You might see men who have uh, tweezed eyebrows, mm-hmm. like beautifully manicured and well taken care of skin. Mm-hmm. I think maybe more often than I've seen in mm-hmm. other countries. Um, so this seems to go along really well with that mm-hmm. um, about getting manicures, taking care of yourself, but even adding color, mm-hmm. even w- however you identify. As as a person of uh, male, female, or however you identify, color is okay for everybody. I love that. Yeah, indeed. And I think um, if if let's say we go to you know fashion centers like Harajuku or Shibuya, I think we 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 can see that kind of overlap. It, it, they, they, these fashion leaders, I would call them, are ahead of the trend. So they. I, I believe they have already stopped saying uh, this is male, this is female only, and and have 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 been trying overlaps, and they are making uh, big strikes. So I think um, what I'm trying to get at is uh, a trend for for areas that have that kind of trend, and they become the core for spreading that kind of uh, acceptance for diversity. Um, now I've traveled a, a number of areas in Japan. I think, for example, Kyushu is very, very is not very strict, but we still see remnants of this gender roles, and people want uh, that kind of a separation, which which I, I I'm not comfortable with. I believe Japan, you know, as as a developed country, one of the nations uh, that people often look to and see what they do, uh, Japan can do better, and. Uh, like you say, we I think we are seeing uh, improvements for that. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, there was a nice reference to a video mm-hmm. uh, in the article, mm-hmm. Dona Tokimo. Uh, yeah, a very popular <laughs> uh, pop song from the 1990s. Yes. 
uh, kind of talking about self-expression, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that was a nice reference. Mm -hmm. So um, I I didn't know that this song was about self-expression in the first place. Is is um, most of uh, most people I would say almost all Japanese would know this song. Uh, is is uh is quite famous, and the lyrics actually do appeal to to that kind of self expression, hmm. to be more open. It's it's a very encouraging, uh, a tune too, and it gives people the courage. I think it's also important that uh, the song also acts as a reminder. You know, uh, we sh we sh we should be more accepting of others. You know, um, in in however they want to express themselves. Mm -hmm. I I love this, uh, the lyrics quoted in the article. Uh, to be myself, I want to embrace the feeling of being able to express what I like mm -hmm. is a message to those who are hesitating to be themselves. Mm -hmm. That is a noble thing to express what mm -hmm. you like. That's right. And I think many people, even if you don't know the title of the song, you've probably heard it. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> right it's a very catchy yep. tune it is. Um, so if you follow the link to the video and then i'm sure you've heard this song before yeah mm -hmm. it's a very cheerful fun song mm -hmm. yeah and I, I like the writer using it as a noble thing yeah i think it's it is a noble thing to be yourself especially when you know uh our, our, our environment our world is not um, not ideal in accepting diversity yet, especially in Japan. Yeah, that's one of the issues. But yeah, we're getting there. I think we're making slow but good progress, I think. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the few people I've talked to in the series, uh, like Tiffany Rossdale, who's mm -hmm. a coach, uh, she herself um, represents people who have transitioned mm -hmm. uh, between genders and trying to encourage other people to accept who they are and mm -hmm. where they are and where they want to be as as part of self-coaching right mm -hmm. like yeah. a life coach i think that's so important and no matter how you identify you want to be able to express yourself mm, yeah. freely and we are in a society and i think especially in japan but not only japan this happens elsewhere mm -hmm. where we are so influenced by what other people say how other people react to us mm -hmm. um so being able to express yourself how you want to is sometimes very difficult mm -hmm. right yeah that's right i think having creating a safe space for for these communities are important too and we we, we have seen an increase of such uh so-called places uh where people are free to go and just be themselves and i think uh we and 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 uh, i believe someone quoted it as a second home because that is where they can feel at ease and be themselves. I think, yeah, uh, that's one essential factor that we need to introduce, especially for Japan, that, you know, resists diversity at the moment. And diversity is such a, a wonderful topic to talk about because if we pull up one marginalized group, one group that's being discriminated against. If we pull even one group up, it pulls up everybody, mm -hmm. anybody who has discrimination mm -hmm. and uh, increases awareness of the need for inclusion for mm -hmm. everybody. And 
everybody is not one kind of way. No. Uh, we should be aware that people are different mm -hmm. and not expect them mm -hmm. or force them to be the same yeah. because nobody is the same. Right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's go to the next article and then we might loop back to the 10 R's because oh. I think we have more to talk about for that. <laughs> um, but the last of the four articles we wanted to talk about today was about foster care. Very mm -hmm. important and interesting topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this article comes from our colleague, uh, Ayami Shinam. Now she talked with uh, Mamoru Watanabe, uh, who really helped us with this article. He is a representative at a Japanese MPO that uh, supports uh, foster parents. And this article gives us a look into the fostering situation in Japan. It opens, this article opens with uh, you know, sharing the problem in Japan. Now there are 45,000 children in Japan separated from their biological parents for various reasons. 80% of them are in, in institutions. 20% are in foster care. Now, 20% is shocking because if we look at, uh, if we compare ourselves with other uh, developed countries, for US, it's more than 70%. In Australia, it's more than 90%. This is a big, big, big gap. Uh, and I, I believe it's a, it is, we can classify it as a big problem. So the article explains why. So there's a number of reasons, like you know, Japan is not a parenting-friendly country. Uh, pa potential parents feel that they lack support uh, socially, emotionally, even uh, financially. On top of that, fostering children uh, have unique challenges and it gets harder. So only a few people feel encouraged to do fostering. Um, and because uh, they are not the typical conventional family, they, get, they might get isolated from the community. And, you know, uh, there's also the issue of not getting enough support from government, even though there's a law saying that, you know, regardless of your social or financial circumstances, you should be able to get support. So what can we do? Well, first, um, there is an improvement. Uh, what we learned from uh, Mr. Uh, Watanabe is that, uh, you know, social services and funds have been, uh, for foster care itself has been growing recently. Uh, the government is going to introduce a, uh, uh, child, child and family agency uh, that actually uses a child-centered approach that has been non-existent in Japan. A lot has been, uh, a lot of laws, a lot of policies are surround, uh, based on what parents think rather than what's best for the child. But, um, but a, a large chunk of this article uh, for solution is, the, is making communities inclusive. No, Japanese culture, we talk about this as now, you know, Japanese culture tends to exclude what's different. People who do not fit conventional categories, yeah, uh, we, we want to stay away from you, whether consciously or unconsciously. Uh, so we need to have a conversation about the needs and, you know, uh, accountability to vulnerable children. Um, and the last advice that we received was make sure that the, the, no family including foster families, uh, do not suffer isolation or exclusion from the community. So a big part, uh, like I said, um, having inclusive communities is very important. And, you know, it's about, you no, know, it's not just about ensuring adequate support for fosterers. 
there's the big picture, which is a community that includes, that um, involves all kinds of families. Mm. Yeah. It's so amazing to compare to other countries like you have in the beginning of the article here, like mm. you said, 45,000 mm -hmm. children in Japan separated from their biological parents. Mm -hmm. um, so 45,000 children living in orphanages. Mm -hmm. uh, only 20% live in foster care. Mm -hmm. So right. compared to America, mm. um, where 77% live in foster care or Australia, 93% mm -hmm. live in foster care. So of course, uh, as you said, the UN recommends that family-based foster care is so much healthier mm -hmm. for children growing up mm -hmm. um, to have that extra support. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough attention in the orphanages, right, for yeah. the individual mm -hmm. children. And I, I had the chance to uh, talk to somebody about being a foster parent in the series last, last year mm -hmm. or two years ago. And yeah. She gave some great insights about um, it's it's not easy because a lot of the kids, um, especially the older ones, they might have emotional issues mm -hmm. because um, they can't really trust people to mm -hmm. be around. Um, but, you know, being someone, even a part-time foster parent, uh, having them over to your house sometimes. Mm -hmm. They don't have to live at your house full-time, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of roles that people can play who mm -hmm. feel that you would like to be a foster parent. Mm -hmm. I think um, definitely worth uh, reaching out mm -hmm. to organizations mm -hmm. and seeing if you can try. Mm -hmm. um, even if you just visit the orphanage and spend time with the kids, that mm -hmm. also helps. Yeah, uh, They have a labor shortage, lack of mm -hmm. staff too, mm -hmm. right? And it's very strange, it, probably because of urbanization, but if we look at Edo period, we look at ancient Japan. Uh, for example, um, you know, uh, let's say a child loses his or her parents to natural disaster. Uh, she, he or she doesn't get put in in an institution or somewhere and forgotten. But they um, what what they have is a system that everyone in the community is the parent. They will take care of the child. Everyone's looking out for the child. So, so somewhere along the way, we have lost that, and we have, you know, um, we have so-called. Um, it, it's a. Uh, I wish I had a better word to put them aside, and because they are out of sight, they are out of mind, and subsequently, the community has has, uh, I think, forgotten that there is a need for these children. Mm. If we can find that way back to you know creating a community that looks out for each other. And I think it's, it's I think it's very difficult in in, in urban cities. It's not impossible. Uh, we need really really good uh, a system, fine system. If, if we look at rural areas, yeah, I think it's easier to look out for one another. Mm. Even even in the cities, I think it is possible. Um, mm -hmm. For example, we're just outside Hiroshima City here, but mm -hmm. we have a nice community and uh, we feel like we know our neighbors and they know us. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my older neighbors, she's in her late 80s, and she always says, I'm I'm so happy when I see your kids and they say good morning to me. Like, aisatsu is so important, right? So mm -hmm. even if I just tell my kids, make sure when you see the neighbors, you say, ohayou gozaimasu mm -hmm. or konnichiwa. 
And then the neighbors are so happy. They really appreciate that. And then conversely, they're going to watch out for our house and our kids mm -hmm. and help them if they ever need help or, you know. So it, in the article as well, you're talking about this outside the immediate family support network, mm -hmm. right? Indeed. Um, so Indeed. you have the community, you have the schools, mm -hmm. you have uh, people in social services mm -hmm. uh, a little bit further out. But having, and you mentioned the Edo Jidai, right? Yeah. Having that that bigger network of support really helps, mm -hmm. right? Do you, do you feel that, you know, in Japan, it's kind of hard to break that first, you know, in a way, aisatsu. I'm not just saying, oh, and we, you just finish, we don't any converse. But I try to, take, take, try to take that relationship a step further. I think in Japan, it's kind of hard to break that first barrier. Sometimes it is, right? And I think you're you're right. Maybe in some rural communities, it is mm -hmm. easier um, because you have scheduled cleaning days or scheduled community yeah, event yeah, days yeah, yeah. where you have to work together mm -hmm. as a part of the neighborhood. And I know um, some people maybe don't like that. And so they want to live in the city in a mansion and not have that connection. Mm -hmm. But actually, there's so many good points about doing that, that if you volunteer, and even once a year, you like cut the weeds from the area. And once, a, once every season, you get out and sweep the leaves in your street, right? Mm -hmm. Or you clean the garbage area or you do something that's like for the common good for the mutual benefit of everyone, not just for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, we had our neighborhood cleaning day. Mm -hmm. And when I went out at the starting time, it was already clean because everybody in my neighborhood gets up so early. They already cleaned everything. So mm -hmm. I just started cutting back some of the trees in my garden, mm -hmm. which overhang the public areas. Mm -hmm. And then one of the women went by and she said, are you just cleaning your own garden? And I was like, no, no, I'm coming, I'm coming. You know, so then that was a nice like mm -hmm. nudge. Mm -hmm. You should be out with mm -hmm. the other people. You mm -hmm. shouldn't be doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, okay, that's a good hint. I'll be back there. Yeah, very good at this. Yeah, I, I have been the benefactor of uh, of such hints before. Yes, thank you for the hint. <laughs> Yeah. And like at the Kominka Summit as well, mm -hmm. at the Minka Summit this last weekend, mm -hmm. a lot of people were talking about uh, the community aspects of moving to rural areas, mm -hmm. of buying an old house, remodeling mm -hmm. an old house, uh, having that balance where you're not drawn in too much to the community aspect, mm -hmm. because there is that counterpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people, if they say, oh, yeah, I'll be a part of the community, and then every day there's a lot to be done right like they become a member of mm. that community <laughs> network right. um so finding a balance that works for you uh mm. there was one one guy i interviewed paul fredale who uh they took over this big old house mm -hmm. like 300 year old house and it had a really big garden in front but for many years nobody was tending it so mm -hmm. it was just all overgrown with bamboo right, right. so when he cleared the bamboo he told all the neighbors 
go ahead and use the garden if whenever you want mm -hmm. because there was no nearby like public garden or public mm -hmm. space and he said he's so happy when he comes out and he sees someone sat in the bench in his garden reading a book or chatting with a friend mm -hmm. you know All right and so that's another aspect of uh, giving back to the community even by just offering use of your space mm -hmm. if you have a big space mm -hmm. right yeah, I thought that was a nice story. Indeed, indeed. Um, I, I it is I've I I've heard of such uh acts too. Uh, the last one I heard was in Tokushima. Uh, she did the same thing. You know, she she makes the garden so beautiful, and you know, anyone is free. It's open. Anyone can come. And what she does is she even has a, a little sweet shop. She called <laughs> where oh. she oh you're here. Come have some tea. Have some sweets. Wow. Yeah. Um that's so nice. She she and people, yeah, so she, she acts like uh you no know, the core of the community. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. I think that's so good. And like you can see the honesty boxes mm -hmm. around my community, mm -hmm. right? So the local farmers or people growing food in their garden, or mm -hmm. they have a fruit tree, and they'll put um some in this little open box, mm -hmm. and then you uh there's a price on it, you put the coin in the mm -hmm. box and you take what you want yeah. right and that's i love that this exists just... in my neighborhood mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so i think when you're choosing a neighborhood to live in finding an honesty box uh seeing that there's a community aspect to it mm -hmm. you can definitely find a neighborhood that you're gonna feel comfortable mm -hmm. living in i think yeah that's right i think in this era you know i, I not everyone not yet but in Japan, a lot of people are realizing, hey, city life may not be good. After this COVID, yeah, if you don't feel safe, now I, I want to move back. Now, um, and when they move back, they actually find themselves to have more, they find life more meaningful, you know, find, find themselves. And I think part of it is because uh, rural areas tend to be more nature-orientated, so they are reconnecting with uh, with that and again um, not just nature but community itself they in, in for example in cities you know you're just working it's, it's a task you're given but when you go back to community you have to not not say you're forced to but you have to participate in the community and as time goes by you realize hey you know this community need it, needs this and that's where I can contribute and I think life can be more meaningful in rural areas. Mm. Yeah. I wish I was there <laughs> at yeah. the last weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, at the Minka Summit. It was mm. wonderful. And uh, to be honest, it was just run by volunteers. Ooh. And so at first, when I went, I was a little bit worried mm -hmm. about the volunteers taking on too much, inviting 300 people to this small town. Mm -hmm. um, there's only, you know, if somebody's negative about it or something, it could have a negative effect on uh, their lifestyle. Right, right, right. But the community was so positive. Everybody was so welcoming. Mm -hmm. It went really well. Um, we were able to visit people's empty houses in the mm -hmm. community as well to talk to them and see how they had renovated. Um, so it was really wonderful. And thanks to one of your links on Zenberg mm -hmm. for the 10 R's, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, it led me to this education hub. And so I wrote mm -hmm. about the Minka Summit mm -hmm. on the, the Education Hub because I think 
this Minka Summit is such a wonderful example for other areas of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, other areas of Japan. Um, because having an event like this where you are introducing, it's not only possible to move to the rural areas and reuse an old home, um, but it's really attractive, right? Mm -hmm. For your lifestyle to have a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. So I think I see a lot of potential, not only for this group doing this event once a year, but hopefully other areas of Japan also mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah. I, do, do you feel that um, as times go on, we can, we will be able to not say we are not tackling it now, but the Akia problem that we have in, in Japan, you know, the end, abandoned houses. Do you think that this, this can lead us to uh, a solution for that? I think so. I awesome. think it, ha it, it has to help in some way. The problem is so big mm -hmm. and it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think in terms of building regulations mm -hmm. in general, mm -hmm. there's a lot of small changes that should happen. Mm -hmm. um, one of the women I talked to who she's an advocate and an activist mm -hmm. working with government, working with legal about um, making changes in government with regulation, which will have big changes across Japan. Mm -hmm. And she was saying there's one important bill happening soon in terms of housing infrastructure, housing changes. Mm -hmm. So if I know there is a lot of support from the government, local governments, especially if you go and buy an old property and fix it up, they'll give you some of the money to fix it up. Mm. If you're under mm -hmm. 40, I don't know why they have the age limit, mm -hmm. but if you're under 40, there's also a lot of government support to go and settle in a rural area and be part of that community. Uh, you can sometimes get like 100,000 yen a month as support to be there mm -hmm. um, because they're looking for new ways to get people to move to the rural areas. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people can still keep their jobs like online through mm -hmm. teleworking. Um, so there's a lot of great initiatives happening. But once again, it's hard to get all the information in one place. Mm -hmm. So this right. kind of Minka Summit really is a great way mm -hmm. awesome. to share information. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we have just a few more minutes. I thought we'd have more time to go back to the 10 R's. Uh, there was one more one more part of the 10 R's, though, that I wanted to bring up. You mentioned, mm -hmm. of course, Kamikatsu. Mm -hmm, right. And having this central location mm -hmm. for garbage sorting. Yeah. And in terms of community, I think this links really well mm -hmm. um, because they don't have garbage pickup in this town of Kamikatsu in Tokushima. Mm -hmm. So all of the community people have to go to this central location mm -hmm. to sort their waste. And it might seem like a hassle, mm -hmm. but whenever I've been there, I always appreciate how much the community kind of enjoys it because mm -hmm. they have a chance to talk together and right. look at the reused shop, the mm -hmm. kurukuru shop that they have there and maybe leave something, maybe take something mm -hmm. that they can use at yeah, their house. That's right. Um, there's another like education center where mm -hmm. they can sit and chat with other local entrepreneurs mm -hmm. or, or their friends. Mm -hmm. And there's a front, like beautiful green grassy area yeah. where they can look at the mountains and relax, you mm. know, you can so bring I your children there and play. Yeah. So that's like zero, very focused mm -hmm. on zero waste, mm -hmm. but 
so much wider in terms of community support mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. keeping people kind of actively mm -hmm. connected. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think the community part is the, the key success factor for, for Kamikatsu. Um, when there's, there's a period, uh, well, I did um, interviews with them twice. You know? <clears throat> when, when we first interviewed them, they, they didn't have the, the center built up yet. It was a, 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 a simple building, a simple white building. And two years after that, when I went back and asked them, you know, um, what is your success factor now? And it's still the same, community. Um, and how the community works is people gather there. Like you said, people enjoy going there. Uh, it's not it's not a hassle because they get to connect with other people. They get to talk with other people, people who live in the same town as them, people with the same uh, same concerns, uh, same enjoyment, um, and that is where they feel, in a in a way, acceptance and identity of being a resident there. Of course, the the environment is great as you, you, you as you know the 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 Keshiki, the view is fantastic. So it is an enjoyment to be there. And it, it probably 10 years later, it's still going to be, they, they don't have to change their, they change their uh, success strategy, which is um, binding the community in this. Um, and in, in some sense, zero waste is secondary to them because of the community. Mm, they enjoy that. And, it's, and in a way, it's fun to do it. Mm. I was there having, uh, having, having a meal. I overheard a conversation. Um, and they were talking, you know, uh, waste during doing food. Usually, you don't talk about garbage while you're eating, but for them, it's just daily conversation. Oh, actually, you should, you know, uh, separate your waste like this, like this, like this. Um, Kamikatsu does this, 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 this. Oh, the neighboring town does this, 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 and it's um, and we can um, you know, Kamikatsu is not an overnight thing. It's not a one-year project, two-year project. It's decades of project, and uh, they have cemented that culture in Kamikatsu. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why Kamikatsu is so so famous internationally because of that success. Mm. Well, also they they have great ambassadors uh, mm -hmm. from oh, Kamikatsu, yeah. like Akira Sakano, who has been to the Davos uh, convention, mm -hmm. who has done TED Talks. Mm. Um, so having those representatives from your community who tell the message outside mm -hmm. is also a really important part. But of course, Zenberg, Roger, Thank you, you <laughs> and me with my show, we are also doing something similar. We mm -hmm. are trying to spread the message about all these great businesses, all these great projects and strategies uh, to the wider community, mm -hmm. right? That's our aim. Yeah, that's right. And well, that is our hour. Thank you so much, Roger. That was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. time flies. <laughs> Fun. Flies, I think. Yeah. Okay. I, I was kind of uh, nervous, so, but yeah. Yeah, you, no, you, no, true. you were great. So you, we you. will try to do this again in May. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll try to do this at least once a month and catch you up on some of the great topics um, that Zenberg Media is covering. Uh, please check out the articles we covered today. I put all the links below. Thank you so much, Roger. Thank, Thank you, you, everybody, for joining. Thank you, everyone. Round and around and around in the middle of my classroom. I show my tears to you. I'm stronger. 
I dropped the armor, now I'm bolder.